Amen. We're going to talk tonight uh, about a journey. Now, now that Israel has, uh, the children of Israel have been in this, this particular place at Mount Sinai where they received the law and they received the pattern Moses did on uh, the plans for the tabernacle has been built by this time. And Bible scholars say they were there uh, for about 11 months. They were at the base of Mount Sinai in this particular place. That's a long time. They were in this one place. And think about how what's taken place that when they came out, how they came come out, they came out as a band of basically escaped slaves. Now, the Lord did bring them out and they came out with gold and silver that the Egyptians laid it upon had laden upon them. But still, um, when they went into Egypt about 440 years before, as the children of Jacob and Jacob caught up with them, how many were there? Do you remember there were 70 souls in all? That was Jacob and his sons and their children and so forth. There were 70. And before they could really, and they multiplied, they were mighty as far as a number of their numbers concerned. Over that 400 period, year period, they grew exceedingly and the Lord blessed them. But they still didn't have like their own national law or code or anything like that. They were still, and went from, have gone from, you know, escaping there basically for food in Joseph's day to later becoming slaves. And when they come out, they're just escaping and God's saving them and delivering them with His mighty hand. But just 11 months, maybe a year later, they're leaving quite a different people. I'm not saying that, that in their heart of hearts they were necessarily any different, but God had made them into a nation. By this time that they're about to travel, what we're going to read tonight, God had given them a law, right? A moral law, uh, a civil law. They even had laws for sanitation that are still used today, you know, by civilized people. They had the tabernacle, which and the priesthood, all that was since they came out. God had really made them a nation. They had the numbers, okay, of people. But God had made them very distinct, identifiable people of the nation of Israel. Uh, Jacob, right? His name was changed to Israel. Uh, the prince with God. And, and so now they're this, this army and this, with their, they have this code and, and this priesthood and the, the priestly worship and everything that typifies the coming of Christ, right? We've talked about that. It foreshadows Christ and His first coming, the ministry. And now the Lord's about to call them to, to the place where, they're, where He wants them to go. Now, they're not going to, this generation is not going to get there because of unbelief. We know that. It, we know it very well. But I want us to read uh, in Numbers chapter 11. Turn with me. We really only have two passages that we're going to read tonight, both from Numbers 11. Right now we're going to read Numbers 11, 29 through 32. Sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. Numbers 10, 29 through 32. And Moses said unto Hobab, the son of Reguel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are journeying unto the place of which the Lord said, I will give it you. Come thou with us, and we will do thee good. For the Lord hath spoken good concerning Israel. And he said unto him, I will not go. So Hobab's, Hobab's reply to Moses, says, he says, I will not go. But I will depart to mine own land, to mine own kindred. 
And he said, leave us not. So this Moses asking him again, leave us not, I pray thee, for as much as thou knowest how we are to encamp in the wilderness, and thou mayest be to us instead of, of eyes. And it, it shall be, if thou go with us, yea, it shall be that what goodness the Lord shall do unto us, the same will he do unto thee. Now, this is sort of unusual in a way. And we're going to talk about this tonight, that this, this was Moses' relative by marriage. Okay, now we know that um, he was a Midianite. And I'm not saying he was good or bad or, or knew the Lord or didn't know the Lord. We don't really know. We know he was one of Moses' kinfolk. And we know that being a Midianite, he knew the land. He knew the area. And what was about to take place is Moses, he had, he had spent 40 years in the wilderness as well, but not, not this place where they were about to go. Okay? And so he was looking for some help. He was looking for some natural help. You know, he says, you'll be to us instead of us. We're going to go, and we've never been this way before. I've never been this way. You're going to show us where we should camp and how to avoid enemies and things like this. There's nothing actually wrong with that. But here's what I want us to talk about tonight for just, just a little while, is that there, there could be a subtle danger in this. I'm not saying that Moses sinned. The Bible doesn't say he sinned in doing this. So please don't leave here and think this was some huge moral failure of Moses to ask for help from a Midianite. I'm not saying that it was. I'm saying there's a subtlety here that could be a snare. It could have been a snare to Moses. It could be a snare to any man of God or woman of God or person of God. And we're going to talk about it for a little while. Not necessarily sinful, but uh, he says, we, we know that the calling of God upon Israel, and there's a lot of similarity between Israel and the church. The church is not Israel, and Israel is not the church. But there was, he, there was a call upon their lives to be a separate people, right? To be an identifiable people distinguished solely as the children of Israel. That was God's plan. They were not to worship the other gods. They had the law that was given by Moses to them. They were going to be a people that were to look for their coming Messiah and to be a light to the Gentiles that the Gentiles could know how to worship the one true living God. Right? Through their worship. Through the, They were not to do what? They weren't to intermarry with the, the, the other Gentiles that were around them. Whether they were nice or kind or anything like that. They weren't to intermarry with them. There were to be an, their their dress was different. There was there was their priesthood was different. Everything about them was to show forth the praises of God in a very real way, in a practical way. Their life was to be separated unto the Lord, not snobby, not we think we're better than anyone else. But they did have a specific calling of God, and they were to walk in that. Uh, Hobab. His brother-in-law, basically, was not part of this nation. Doesn't mean they couldn't be kinfolk. Doesn't mean they couldn't be friends. It doesn't mean he couldn't travel with them. It just means that there was a, to be a separation. And Moses said, leave us not, I pray thee. You know the, how we're to encamp in verse 31 in the wilderness. You may be to us instead of eyes. And so... Uh, as I said, it, it would be, to me, unusual 
but not, not necessarily sinful. And here's what I want us to look at for a minute. We might find ourselves in a similar situation. Here was Moses' situation that said he didn't know where he was going. He did not know what enemies he was going to face. He didn't physically know the terrain. Where's water? You know, where's shade? Of course, they had the, the water, the rock following them. But still, uh, he didn't know what emergencies might arise. And he could really rely on somebody who knew the land and say, no, look, this, this is the way you want to go. Definitely don't go that way. You're going to stop here, stop here, stop here. This many days you'll be here. And so um, when we're going to something unexpected, that could be a time where we, we grab for something as opposed to grabbing the Lord. It, again, it does not say that this was a, a failure on His part. And we can do the same thing at times where we, we're not sure of the way that we're about to go. Not just physically, like taking a trip. I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to go somewhere and you've been there, I'm going to say, hey, what's the best way to get there? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something in life where God's called you and you've not been this way before. The, the temptation could be to start instantly going for counselors. Okay? Instantly turning towards counselors. And you know, turning to the gray-haired old counselor that we have, maybe would turn, and it wouldn't be in, in our case, but in other churches, maybe someone that's called to missions, they're going to instantly turn to the, a church committee to find out if they should do this or not. And again, there's no sin in that. There are some, some plans that we should follow. But we ha- anything, sometimes if we're going into something scary or unknown, like starting this church, for example, okay? Or just different things in your life. You're, you're changing to a whole new career. You're stepping out into something that you feel is God's will for your life. It, it, can, it can be nice to have something you can see. Go sit down and talk to Dee about it. You know what I mean? Or whatever. As opposed to following this unseen guide. But we need to be careful because we don't want to come to the place where we're dependent upon or trusting in our Hobab, so to speak. It doesn't say anything that was sinful about that man either. But I can remember y'all when, when the Lord called Dee and I. We had been married, I would say, about a year, just about a year. We had gone and made a recording uh, took from our savings account and went up to Oklahoma City and made a recording like on uh, Thanksgiving Day or something. We were up there and it was snowing all over the place. And we went up there and made a recording of, of some of the songs that she wrote. And about six months after that, the Lord called us to full-time ministry. She had a full-time job. I had a full-time job. Neither of us felt like the full-time jobs we had were going to be it for us. We knew that there was going to be some calling of the Lord upon our lives. And we felt the Lord calling us out. We felt the Lord calling us out to, to set those things aside and to pursue what the Lord was calling us to do. Which was going to full-time music ministry. Really at the time, I'll be honest, it was, it was Dee. The Lord had given her 
uh, the ability to play, to sing, to write songs, to minister, and to go out and, and minister through music, the Word of God. And so I remember sharing that with our church. We wanted the blessing of our church. We sure weren't going to do it in, re- you know, in rebellion, rebellion against our church or anything like that. I remember sharing that with our church, and we, I think we did our first, I know we did, we did our first concert at our church, and there was a, a, a man a few years older than me, wonderful believer, came up to me and said, Randy, you can't do that. You can't do that. How are you going to make any money doing that? Mm-hmm. He was a Christian. How are you going to take care of your wife? And how are you going to have a family doing that? We were just going from church to church for love offerings. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you a, a fact, this isn't self-pity, it's just a reality, that we would go some places and get nothing. We'd go some places and drive to Jackson, Mississippi with sound equipment and gas and everything and come back and get $25. Some places you would get $500. You know what I mean? We, you just would never know. But we're going. They want us to come. We're going. And we would go wherever the Lord led us. But you could see how that would have been if I had listened to that. He loved the Lord. Okay? He's a Christian. He didn't have God's heart and mind for us. He was a Christian brother of mine in my church that I loved very dearly, and I know that he, he loved us. He was concerned for us. But he was not speaking on the Lord's behalf to us. We had to know that we had heard from the Lord. And that could have been very discouraging when you're just about to spread your wings and fly, and somebody older than you in the church, and they, they say, you can't do that. You're not going to make any money like that. God wants you to take care of your family. How are you going to do it? You can't do it like that. And I just had to smile and shake his hands and say, thank you for praying, but we know the Lord's called us to this. And we we don't want to come to where we're dependent upon counselors. At the same time, we don't walk alone. There's no call in our lives as, as believers to be hermits. We're not called to that. If God puts people in our lives with wisdom, we should definitely take advantage of that. The Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, right? Uh, so understand what I'm saying, that the danger is that we would put our confidence in our counselors as opposed to the Lord. That's all I mean by that. Um, we go and, and we go to the wisdom of counselors, but we have a wonderful counselor, don't we? The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So I thank the Lord. I really do. We have a board. You know, right now, Sherry and Alberto are on our board. I thank the Lord when we do get together and we pray. And, and if God shows them something or God shows any of us in this body something. Clarissa was sharing with uh, an idea she had with me tonight right before church. I thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for that. Don't get me wrong. But I cannot be dependent upon that to, to where I would forget the Lord and not be discerning of His voice and put the preeminence upon His leadership. It starts and ends with the Lord. If He wants to speak to me through you, then I am very open to receive that. But I cannot be dependent upon you. And you cannot, even as your pastor, you cannot be dependent upon me or a godly counselor in your life. Thank the Lord for the godly counselor in your life. It's truly godly and biblical and wants you to stand 
the godly counselor is always going to be leading you to Christ, not to them. Godly counselor is not going to try to make you dependent upon them like a therapist, right? They get you so hooked, you've got to come back next week or you're not going to make it. I want you to be so strong in Jesus that you're going to make it. And you are. You understand what I'm saying? So um, we can't let men be our crutch. We can't be dependent upon men and their counsel. God often does speak to us through other people. The danger is that we would put the people before the Lord. Okay, and here's what I would say as well, that if you're going to a new calling, a new step in your life, a new chapter in your life, and you have never done it before, you've never been there before, like they were journeying from Mount Sinai to go to the promised land. Moses knew nothing about the path. And you can be fearful. That would be normal, but we have to be encouraged by the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord, the Bible says. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And so the, the trust has to be in the Lord. He's always going to be the, the strength in those times. There's nothing wrong with you telling a brother or sister or the whole church, God's called me to this. I'm scared. I don't know what you know exactly what it's going to, going to entail. Pray for me. And we pray. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that. Thank the Lord we have each other as a body. But you don't ever want, and I'm not saying that Moses did this, we don't want to come to a place where you're grabbing at straws. Do you know what I mean by that? It's like God calls us to something or all of a sudden we find ourselves in, an, in some adversity or trial and we're just grabbing at everything. And we're grabbing at Oprah Winfrey, you know, grabbing at whoever. Whoever can give me advice, counsel, uh, Dave Ramsey, I'm grabbing at whoever can help me out of this situation. Thank the Lord for wise people, not Oprah, but wise people that, but we don't want to just grab for, for straws. What we need to do at a time like that is press into the Lord. We need to press into Him. We need to, and the reason I talked at the beginning about where God had brought them from, not only physically from Egypt to Sinai, but where He had brought them from. They, need to, they needed to recollect the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and what he had already done. In other words, they already had a track record with the Lord in a year, maybe less than a year, okay, of what he had done, making them, taking them from slaves to a nation with a law and a priesthood and an army and a leader. You understand? He had taken them from that and in such a short period of time. He had provided the water, which we talk about all the time, the manna from heaven, uh, the de uh, deliverance from the Pharaoh and his armies. So when we're afraid because of what lies ahead, we need to think back on what he's brought us through. And he has brought us through everything. He's brought us through everything up till now. That does not mean there won't be more things he has to bring us through. I can assure you there will be. There are going to be other things that he brings us through. That's not so we're depressed and gloomy about the future. That is so we will grow in Christ. We'll grow in the Lord. Our faith in him will grow. And so we're never to grab at straws. We should never equally, unequally yoke ourselves together with an unbeliever because he can get me out of this financial jam. He can, you know, 
or they can, whatever, and we compromise in some way to because we think this is our fix. This is this is what people do. They turn to so and so in a time like this. We need to turn to God. And I can promise you, if we'll put the Lord back in that right position, He might send us some wonderful counselors. If I turn to the Lord and say, God, I don't know. You've called me to this. I don't know how to do it. I don't have any examples to follow. You've called me to do something I've never done before. I'm uncertain what lies ahead and how to go about it. If we'll turn to the Lord, then let Him give us a counselor if He wants to do that. He may give us 15 counselors. He may give us a whole church that walks us through the whole thing. That would be just like the Lord to do that. So please don't leave here thinking I'm saying we don't go to counselors or God doesn't use them in our lives. We ought to be thankful, but we got we have to go to the Lord. We go to the Lord first and last and always. Okay? First and last and always we turn to Christ. And the Lord had been their guide all the way through. So that's why I said it might just have been a little bit unusual when we read that in the Bible. Not saying it was a sin. When Moses says, you'll be to us as eyes. You know the land. You know the layout. Now, we don't know that, that the man Hobab ever went with them. He asks him again. It just kind of leaves it and it doesn't go on to, to talk about uh, whether he went or not. But I think we do learn something from this that God basically rendered Hobab uh, needless. In other words, the Lord was going to take care of them in such a definite way and guide them that there was no need for Hobab, whether he went or didn't go. And let's read this. Chapter 10, Numbers 10, um, 33-36. through 36. And they departed from the mount. So it doesn't say if Hobab, his brother-in-law, went with him or not. And they departed from the mount of the Lord three days journey. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them in the three days journey to search out a resting place for them. I want you all to pick up on that. What was the ark of the covenant doing, which was representing the Lord and his presence and his power? The, the law was contained in there, right? He it went to seek a resting place for them, for the Israelites. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day when they went out of the camp. So this you have to picture this. The cloud is still there all the time. The tabernacle had been set up in the middle of them. Three tribes on each of the four sides. The Levites closest. And when it was time to go, the cloud would pick up. The priests knew it was time to go. They'd blow their silver trumpets. And it meant it was time to go. They would pack up everything. The priests that were to bear the certain parts of the ark were bearing the certain parts of the ark. And, and, the, and the Israelites were following behind. Okay? But came to pass when the ark set forward that Moses said, Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies that hate thee flee from before thee. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. So what, what is taking place? I'm not saying I'm, not, I'm an expert on all of this, but something was different here than in some of the other little journeys that they took from here used to be that the ark they would blow the trumpet when the cloud moved as i said they would start following the levites first all bearing the the different things of the of the ark and the tabernacle 
And the first tribe, I just thought this was interesting, the first tribe of the 12 tribes after the Levites was Judah. That's the tribe Christ came from. First tribe to go. It used to be that they were all like within eyeshot. Here goes the, the priest and the ark and the tabernacle and the people right on their heels eating their dust, you know, right behind them. But this was a difference. It was a three days journey. He says, I'm sending the ark three days journey ahead of you. And there's something to that to seek out a resting place. So it was probably pretty quiet. You know what I'm saying with the, with the with all the millions of people literally and their children and their cattle and all the wagons or whatever they had, that would have been a lot of racket and they're moving. But three days ahead, the Lord was already going before them. That's going to represent the Lord. And it was quiet. There was no confusion. He was clearly looking out a resting place for the people. I just think that that's interesting. It was quiet. The priests would have been with him. I believe Moses would have been in that company and that group. And because it says when, when the ark rested, you know, when they took up the ark, let your enemies be scattered. When the ark came to rest, return, O Lord, uh, to your people. And so I just think it's, it's interesting to see that there wasn't really a need for a, a Hobab, was there? There wasn't a need for this Midianite. There wasn't a need for this uh, counselor at this point or a guide. You'll be to us as eyes. God kind of just took care of that. And He sent this ark three days ahead to seek out specifically to seek out a resting place. So when it would stop, the cloud would stop, the ark would stop, the priests would stop, and the people three days journey behind would catch up and there was like a place prepared for them. They didn't have to go seeking the, the appropriate place to rest. It was wherever the Lord saw fit for them to be. And so I, I just thank the Lord for that. That same for us, y'all, when God, God supplied something for them that was much better than any counselor that they could have found, right? And the Lord does that for us too. There's a maturity in that. There's something to learn from that. There's some growth in that that, that we ought to lay hold of. That, again, that, that our first reliance, a little thing, you wake up tomorrow morning and something's not quite right. Phone call, a text, whatever. Something that can spark a little instant fear into our heart. Something's not quite, got to take care of something. I've got to put out a fire. Something's going on. If our first response would be, it could be something big. It could be something little. But if our first response would be to go to the Lord for guidance. Not, oh, i got to call so-and-so. A prayer partner, first thing. No, our first thing ought to be to go to the Lord. Thank God for prayer partners. I'm not telling you to be a hermit. I'm not telling you to separate yourself from what's good and right and godly in your fellowship and in your life. God gave you those people. But our first response, and we need to learn to, to rest in that. What if I can't get through to my prayer partner? They're not answering their phone. They got their phone turned off. They're, they're tied up. And we get all, we start stressing and fretting. I need to talk to so and so right now. We can always talk to the Lord. Amen. But we don't always talk to the Lord. We go to people, Christian people, a lot of times. And God wants us to go to Him. 
If he then directs me to Christian people, then I need to go to them. I was uh, sharing with you all last week uh, just about the, the Parkview Bible study. And we've had it, today was the third Wednesday we've had it since the Christmas break. The first Wednesday after, nobody came. I was a little discouraged. The second Wednesday after, one guy came. And I told you about that last week. I got to pray with him to give his life to Christ. That would not have happened if we had a room full of people. Uh, so the Lord knew what He was doing. This week, I had the normal guys come plus a new one. And it was like they came back, you know. And, and uh, we had a wonderful Bible study. And when it was over, I grabbed that, that fellow that I talked to last week that I got to pray with. And as everybody was scooting out the door, I kind of grabbed him. Have you been reading your Bible? Because he was saying he never read his Bible. I told him he needed to start reading it. He said, yeah, I'm reading in Matthew and Mark and I'm in chapter 5. And he w I said, you really are? He goes, yes, I'm reading my Bible. He goes, I don't understand some things about how he says he's the way, the truth, and life. And then he says he's the water. I don't understand all that. But to me, that touches my heart. That's somebody that God can speak to. I didn't have time to teach him. A bell's ringing. He's got to go. And I said, you just keep at it. You keep reading. God's going to give you understanding. I'm praying for you. I said, I pray for you every day since last week. And, um, and so the next guy, the new guy that I've never even met before, he's sticking around and they never do this. They've got to run off to class and get there so they're not late. And this kid's sticking around and he says, I want to ask you something too. He goes, I got a friend that's really troubled. He's been kicked out of this school. He's been kicked out of another school. He's on drugs. He, he respects me, and I, I want to help him. I don't know how to help him. What can I do to help him? And I said, well, the first thing you can do for him is pray for him. And as you pray for him, I said, you can help him. You absolutely can help him. You pray for him, and you ask God in your prayers, how can I help him? Besides praying, in your prayers, your God is going to show you how to help him. I can't tell you right now what to do. Pick up the phone, tell him this, that, or whatever. He needs the Lord. But you understand the point. If you'll go to the Lord, he had a question for me. And I said, you go to God, pray for this young, pray for your friend, and pray as you're praying, God is going to show you how to help your friend. So that goes with what we're talking about here today. He came to a person, and I know like we do, we want to, direct people back to the Lord. I wouldn't say it's none of my business. I don't know. Whatever. We tell them what, what God tells us to tell them. But you know, the, the reliance has to be upon the Lord. The answer is going to come from the Lord. And so, uh, God goes before us. He, he went before the children of Israel three days journey. Why it's three days journey, I don't really know. Why it was three days, but he separated himself a little bit more and really got out ahead of them. Some other Bible scholar might have a real deeper uh, appreciation of that, a revelation of that. I'm just saying the Lord got out there ahead of them and all they had to do was follow. And think about this, y'all. The Bible says that, 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 that Jesus Christ tasted death for all of us in Hebrews chapter 2. He's, going, he's gone before us, even into death. Think about that. All we have to do is follow, right? He's, he's already gone before us. He died. 
He rose again. He says, because I live, you shall live also. And we just have to follow him, even to death. He's already tasted death and conquered it and passed through that valley and darkness and come out victorious on the other side. He's ahead of me at least three days. He was in the grave, right? And so all we have to do is follow. Follow the Lord. We can see as far as we can see, but as long as we can know that the Lord is with us and the Lord is before us, He does not show us all of our plans. He doesn't sit tight. And I don't think there's one person in here who He says, today you're going to do this, tomorrow you're going to do that. The next day, like today, He shows you all of it. In a week from now, this is exactly what's going to be happening. A month from now, here's where you'll be. A year from now, here's where you'll be. He, he, he doesn't do that. He doesn't. He wants us to hold His hand. He wants us to walk where we see the pillar of fire and the cloud. Where we see the ark. And when it comes to rest, we rest. And when it picks up and moves, we move. That is what He's wanting to teach us. That we have this guide. And all we have to do is follow. And guess what? He will be to us instead of eyes. He is to us instead of eyes. And thank the Lord He's not three days out there somewhere. You know, He's with us. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we can rest in the shadow of His wings. Right now, if you're troubled, right now, if your life is troubled, right now, if your, uh, your family is troubled, you're inwardly just troubled and not at rest, we can rest in the Lord. He will never leave us nor forsake us. You know it. I'm going to tell it to you again because He wants us all to know it again. We can rest in Him and we know that He has our best in mind. We preached it on Sunday morning a few weeks ago. He's good and He does good. I need to be able to rest in that. And so D, you can come. I know that uh, I'm going to go on and finish tonight. I want to close by us. All, all, would you turn with me to Psalm 48, all of us, just read this together and spend a few minutes tonight just talking to the Lord, letting Him be your strength, letting Him be your courage. Psalm 48, verse 14. What a wonderful verse. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. It's a simple truth, but it's a wonderful truth. We're talking about looking to a man, even a good man, to be our guide, our God being our guide. It says He will be our God. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. There's not going to be one uncertain thing. We have things that are uncertain, but He's still guiding me. He's guiding to me, me into what is certain. He's guiding me into what He has gone before and tasted it before me and sought out a resting place for me. He's scattering enemies before me. Sometimes I don't even see it. He's blazed the trail before me and all I have to do is walk in it. I didn't even see Him blaze the trail. He just opened doors for us. And he has a resting place. You're going to need a resting place right about now. I'm going to take you further and you're tired. I'm going to give you a resting place here. Whatever it may be, He's our guide. And He wants us to trust Him. Y'all, can we just thank the Lord, worship the Lord at your chairs, at this altar. Find a place and make it your altar tonight to meet with the Lord. 
And Father, we just thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for wise counselors. I really do. You said there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. I thank you for a church body. I thank you for pastors. I thank you for elders and leaders and, and mature brothers and sisters in Christ that can give us such godly counsel and wisdom. But Lord, before all of that, we look to you. Our, you are to us instead of eyes. All we have to do is follow you. Thank you that you lead us and guide us. Forgive us when we've grabbed at straws. Forgive us when we've just reached out. And in one sense, we're no different than the world. We just grab for the closest life vest when we're drowning. But Lord, help us to grab for you and to trust in you and to wait upon you. You are a faithful guide unto the end, Lord, even unto death. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. I pray that you would impart to us that faith and that hope that we would not, as I prayed before the sermon, we wouldn't leave here the way we came. And in this specific thing, we would leave stronger in the Lord, trusting in our God more to guide us into a future that can be scary and uncertain, Lord, but we can trust in you. I pray your blessings upon each person here, God. Praise you and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.